0: It's time for another episode of Legally Unfiltered. This is attorney Franz Borchardt. I'm here with attorney Richard Sprinkle and we have a special guest in studio today. We have attorney Morgan LaMondre. Morgan is an attorney with STAR. What does STAR stand for, Morgan?
1: It stands for Sexual Trauma Awareness and Response.
0: So we invited Morgan because Morgan is one of our, uh, I'll say this, Morgan listens to our show and Morgan's been kind of being interactive with it. And Morgan, frankly, Richard, Morgan wanted some free cups. Hey, some there's mugs. nothing wrong with that. She wanted some free some free mugs. We've got mugs. So Morgan That's agreed right. to be our special guest today to talk about... You ready for the topic, Richard? I'm ready. Our topic is everything you never knew or you should know about sex offense cases and victims of sex offense cases. Everything so, you never knew you should know about. Yeah, I like that. Uh, that sounds right. Before we get into Morgan and her, her field of expertise, we need to talk about coffee mugs and free stuff. Yep. So if you're listening on Facebook, if you're listening in in the radio world, because by the way, we're on Talk Wonder 7.3. Man, we're all over the place. Global. I'm telling you. Hashtag global. So if you're listening and you email us at legallyunfiltered at gmail.com, which by the way, Morgan has done before. Yep. Yep. If we use your topic, if we use your topic, you get not one not one, but two, two coffee mugs for the price two, of none. none. Two for the price of so none. We got to get rid of these things, man. I'm telling. They're you. like they're like awesome cockroaches in my office. There. They're crawling like, they're all, all over the place. Like there's... when I say cockroaches, I don't mean like negative. I mean like there's like, too many of them. Yeah, Richard, I had someone professionally purge my office this week, and she's like. Judging me because I have a box of legally unfiltered coffee mugs, and she's Was like, "What are you?" Sarah? Sarah West, yes, she's Shout the best. Out to Sarah West, we're not going like, to eat up the whole twenty-two minutes, but at some point, we're going to talk about the fact that you paid somebody to clean up your stuff. It, no, she purged. <laughs> it's purging. It's That's another it's episode. That's another episode. So, anyways, <laughs> look, we've got we've got Morgan in the house. So, Morgan and I. Let me lay the background up. Morgan and I have known each other since Morgan. Was the one of the best bartenders at a little bar restaurant no named Benegins. I used to be a bartender too. So it's a great every job. good lawyer I know. Every great lawyer I know has been in the service industry wow. and probably has been a bartender. So Morgan then went to law school awesome. um, and became a fantastic stars attorney or star attorney. Mm-hmm. Uh, no pun intended there. And we have had some epic battles with each other. We've had some cases against each other in um, TRO protective order hearings. Sure, um, she has represented victims before, and I have represented defendants. Um, we have a good working relationship. I consult Star occasionally. Um, they'll send me some clients. We, in fact, you and I, we have without clients, divulging, cl- right. uh, confidentiality, we have clients that are also represented yeah, by Star. Yeah. So, so we have a good, and people think in the and and this is you'll you'll agree with me on this. People think that if you're on different sides of the, of, the, of the aisle in law, that you hate each other. and not be farther from the actually, truth. Actually, yeah, you no. can right. you can strongly fight like cats and dogs, and but still respect where the person's mm-hmm. coming from and, and the fact that look, you know. So Morgan's here today, Richard, mm-hmm. because Morgan knows a bunch about sex offense cases, sexual trauma, I wanna use that phrase, sexual trauma, right. and, and and victims and why victims do some of the things they do. There's a lot of common misconceptions. For example, um, being that I'm a criminal defense attorney, being that you do criminal defense work, being that I've been a prosecutor before, one of the most common questions I hear is, why do people wait so long to report a sexual assault or rape? Um, we see it in the Me Too world, right? Where mm-hmm. people are, are, and I mean, you use the word latent reporting, um, delayed reporting, whatever. Why is it that people wait so long to report? And so I guess that's where I want to kind of start out because that is a fair question, right? Right. If you're not in this world, if you're not, you don't represent people that have been through extreme trauma, you might think that that's a fair question to ask. So what do you think?
1: Well, it kind of depends, though, on like sort of the dynamics of, what trauma they experience so for example if it's a child maybe they delayed in reporting one because it's somebody they know it could be a parent it could be somebody they're very close to and they don't want that person to get in trouble and Franz we've had these conversations too where there's been times when weirdly enough like the criminal defense bar is kind of On the same page as victim advocates. So, historically, when there was that Kennedy case and there was, you could get capital punishment for the rape of a child, victim advocates were against that because then we felt that people would not come forward to disclose Mm -hmm. if that was a possible punishment. They'd be less inclined to want somebody like their, you know, step parent or grandparent to be sentenced to death. Um, So, that's one of the dynamics. The other dynamic, I think, is that there's a lot of shame. tell me more
0: about shame
1: well society in general you can see it on social media comments they automatically assume this person didn't react the way that a victim should react so a lot of times victims have will internalize that and they themselves blame themselves i shouldn't have been here i shouldn't have done this and i mean i always say there's you know being you can't be in danger. You can't be vulnerable unless you're in the presence of danger. So, it's true. I mean, you're only going to be raped in your, by a rapist, right? It's not alcohol. It's not certain things that people tend to blame. But the reason people blame victims themselves is usually because they believe that if they don't do these things, if they don't walk alone at night, they won't be raped themselves. So it's, it's sort of a coping mechanism for society. And as a result, a lot of times, um, survivors themselves blame themselves and they don't come forward to report. Now, what usually does happen when survivors usually are triggered to report or when they want to report is when they realize that it has happened to somebody else. And that's where you're seeing it in the me too movement. And it's like, well, I'm not going to come forward until, you know, I basically find out that this is possible, that this could happen again. It's a again. safe
0: space. One, it's a safe space to report. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. two, I'm not the only one. This could happen they to somebody else. said versus else. he exactly. said is yeah. a
1: lot easier than she said versus he said. Right. Yeah.
0: So the unfortunate reality, and this is what I want to talk to you about. The unfortunate reality of, of that kind of reporting in the Me Too world, especially when you're dealing with celebrity, mm-hmm. sexual assault, accused, or... Sexual assaulters, depending on where you are in the spectrum, Harvey may get Harvey may get convicted. He may not. We're going to talk if we have time. By the way, i want to talk about Harvey and the and the jury and the letters by the defense attorney. The problem the problem I see, unfortunately, with celebrities is there is that air of and I'm I'm not saying these victims aren't victims. There's the air of you're only reporting because this person has money and there'll be some kind of civil pecuniary you know, suit mm-hmm. at some point, which a lot of times these people don't file suits. I mean yeah. and in fact Richard and I will tell you, Morgan, as someone who represents rape victims on the regular in civil suits, they don't want they don't. don't want to move forward. Mm-hmm. Well a
1: lot of times too, it's not really about the money but right, it's about getting right. a day in court right and in the criminal process victims can't control that ultimately there could be a plea deal they have some say in it but mm-hmm. you know and the vast majority of survivors don't report to any system right they never report they never tell anyone but of the ones who report not all of them are you know lead to an arrest or even prosecuted but victims ultimately don't have as much control in the criminal system right. as they do in the civil system can we
0: talk about that for a second sure common misconception Who gets to decide the outcome of a sexual assault case? The victim or the prosecutor, or both?
1: Well, like moving forward, definitely it is the prosecutor. prosecutor. prosecutor Mm -hmm. And And so a lot of times when people also you see this in um, certain aspects, I know more in like DV world, victims think that they can drop charges well right. technically no. no they have right. made the victim has the choice into making a report and by the but way DV
0: stands for domestic violence yes. for those who don't know
1: thank mm-hmm. you um we it, have a lot of acronyms that's that all right we're we're
0: in the we're in the trenches mm-hmm. they, they may not know, be so anyways so keep going so,
1: so so but not everyone you know ultimately there are victims who want to move forward want to have a day in court and prosecutors do feel that they won't be able to meet their burden of proof. Mm -hmm. And what we tell survivors is, not guilty does not mean innocent. I think I've heard you say that before. there, just because you're not guilty does not mean that the person is actually innocent. For some reason, in rape cases, we always see that. It's not like in a homicide where, well, just because this person you know is not guilty of a murder, clearly the person is, we still have a victim that has died, right? So you're not questioning the act.
0: So when uh-huh. I have a client that is acquitted by a jury and is found, quote unquote, not guilty, I will be very careful with how I publicly respond to that. I might say he's been tried by a jury of his peers or mm-hmm. her peers and he has been found not guilty, which means that there was not evidence for proof beyond a reasonable doubt or that there may in fact have been reasonable doubt. We don't know. Now, when I have a client that I have demonstrated pre-trial and the DA's office or prosecuting entity has acknowledged that they are, quote unquote, factually innocent. And that by that, I mean they could not have perpetrated this crime because they were in a different physical place Mm -hmm. or they could not have perpetrated this crime because we discovered that there is another DNA parcel of evidence. I will thump my chest on, I will thump Mm -hmm. my chest on factual innocence. I'm very careful. And Richard will confirm this. I'm very careful. I mean, I'll, I'll dance a little bit when I get a not guilty, but it's, it's, I'm very careful with how I phrase that because there is a huge distinction between not guilty and innocence. Mm -hmm. They may, they may align they we hope that they align but sometimes they don't so well
1: and you know one of the things about sexual assault cases from a historical perspective of when most were just stranger cases Mm -hmm. that were prosecuted and you see basically exonerations from back in that time period because of dna evidence Mm -hmm. well just because those individuals were exonerated they were not guilty of that crime. That did not mean that the victim was lying because somebody still raped that person. It still happened. You know, so there's like different levels, but people automatically assume, or you'll see in media where, well, look at all of these guys who have been exonerated for rape charges because of DNA. Well, that has something to do with witness identification and eyewitness identification and issues involving that, it did not mean that the person actually um, made a false allegation. The way I say it is if a prosecutor, the only way uh, you can really say an allegation is false, if a prosecutor can prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the sexual assault did not occur. So that's why you don't see even people being prosecuted for false allegations because statistically also, you know, most people want to say, oh, I'm so scared that I will be um, falsely accused of something. Statistically, men are more likely to be sexually assaulted than to be falsely accused. So when you say that, it's, you know, it's kind of shocking. But wow, statistically, shocking. you're more likely to actually be a victim.
0: So what I struggle with, and and I will tell you, I struggle with this because my views on child victims um, has has changed has changed since i have a child right that makes sense that makes sense is i used to think and and i thought it as a prosecutor i thought it as a defense attorney um i used to think that kids you've heard the phrase there's just some things that somebody wouldn't lie about Mm the kids wouldn't lie about that and i and i I struggle still with that because I have a four-year-old that believes, you've heard this before and you may have heard this before, who believes that there's an imaginary or real alligator named Steven that lives in the the fireplace that watches over the house that only comes out when he goes to sleep. And he fights the monsters and all. This kid believes that to his core Mm -hmm. at four. Yeah. Okay. He believes that because daddy has told him There is an imaginary alligator named Steven. Mm -hmm. And he is surplus reality. He has juxtaposed, hey, I was at the zoo and I saw Steven in the water. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. Steven and I talked. He's not lying. He's just doing surplus reality, right? Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that every child that that is a sexual assault reporter is lying or you know, it's just that is what I I gotta tell you. you, That's that is where I am so uneasy because because I can I feel more comfortable judging credibility of the 21 year old victim and weighing what she or he is saying, listening, listening to the facts and being like, I believe or don't believe. With a kid, I struggle with that because a kid might be, you know, we know kids truthfully report sex events cases. We know that we also know that sometimes parents use kids as weapons, like in divorce situations. I don't know the stats. I'm sure you might know the stats yeah. on that. Um, but it, I've dealt with the I've dealt with both cases, mm-hmm. right? I've dealt with the case where I'm like, man, this feels like it's a, a kid being used as a le- piece of leverage over a custody situation, and then I've dealt with cases where I'm like, eh, this kid looks like he's been really sexually assaulted. So-
1: There's different aspects. I guess like most of the time, you I mean, obviously you have to weigh all the circumstances, but I will tell you a lot of times people immediately want to say like, oh, this sounds like the kid is coached or something. And I'll tell you, we had this one case once where the child, you know, the mom was all frantic and was convinced it was her Mm ex-husband that sexually abused her child. And of course, custody issues were coming up and things like that. And, you know, it was the mom that was saying like, this is my ex-husband, he's doing this, like he's he's saying he was inappropriate, inappropriately touched. And it was kind of blown off. Um, there wasn't really anything that amounted to it. But later down the road, what we did end up realizing once there was medical evidence was that it was actually a step-sibling of that child. So too often we blow off children at, because maybe a parent has said or believes it is someone mm-hmm. um, like an ex spouse sure but really once again it doesn't mean the sexual abuse sexual assault didn't happen it means that people who are trained and professional need to do a thorough investigation obviously separate interviews because in that case because we were so into oh the mom's credibility the mom's not credible Time, more time went by where this child was sexually abused by his step-sibling, because no one actually did a thorough investigation. It was all focused on, well, this mom's not credible, rather than independently weighing in right. and doing a, a job, right? And, and, and Morgan,
0: so, Morgan and I have assisted clients on the same side where we're looking at each other like, man, the cops really didn't do a great job on this one. Hmm. And then it trickles down Mm-hmm. It trickles to the victim, right? Because then all of a sudden it's like, well, if you don't give the victim the necessary ev- evidentiary tools to be to have their credibility bolstered. Well, then, it, you know, then it becomes that it becomes that, you know, it becomes that situation of, well, you know, it's, is it he said versus she said?
1: Well, and I would say that that's why sort of other systems we have civil systems, we have mm-hmm. administrative systems in which we tell survivors justice sometimes means more than jail justice comes in many forms you have to decide what what justice looks like for you right and i think that with you know some survivors as far as like you know reporting and it's like okay the law enforcement i mean and i will say even in our own community like when you're constantly exposed to this to dealing with sexual assault sexual abuse of children you get burnt out and cops already get burnt out our our sex crimes detectives don't make any more money than anyone else um, that's in law enforcement. And it's really tough, and I, like right now we're short-staffed. So, meaning law enforcement and detectives. Right. So there are times when not all the resources, if we had more officers, if we had more detectives that were um, available for these cases, they probably could do right. more.
0: So let me, let me change gears slightly, because we have about four minutes and change left. I want to talk about mandatory reporting. Can we talk about that? Yeah. yeah because I think you probably have a firm grasp on who needs to report. Yes. If a child or if someone reports a sex, I say sexual assault and I'm not trying to.
1: It doesn't have to be. Right. right. It could be, 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 be any kind of right. inappropriate. Sure. It's, it could be, this <clears throat> seems kind of creepy. I'm not even sure.
0: Right. So talk to us about mandatory reporting. That's a buzzword. Yeah. This week alone, you and I have been dealing with a, a case of this nature. What does that phrase mean and who are quote unquote mandatory reporters?
1: So the Children's Code provides a list of all types of people who are mandatory reporters, but the, I guess for the most part, it would be like healthcare professionals, teachers, anyone who actually has a lot of contact with children. Mm-hmm. Attorneys are not mandatory reporters. So, and that makes sense, right? Because right. if you get your criminal defense attorney, client and he says, yeah, I did it. That would break privilege, yeah. Um, When a mandatory reporter gets any information that causes a suspicion of abuse or neglect, including sexual abuse, they are supposed to report it to DCFS and or law enforcement, depending on who the disclosure is about. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times people believe that what that means is, well, if I'm a teacher, if I'm a healthcare professional, I tell my boss, who then decides, right? Or it also, to them, they think it means I have to investigate and get a lot of information before I can report this. That is not true. Suspicion is all you need, which under our law, I mean, it could be a disclosure from a child saying something happened. At that point, no one should be investigating except for the appropriate.
0: Right, because, and and let's talk about that real fast. Why is it so critical that we have like CAC interviews Mm -hmm why is it so critical, Morgan, that we have trained professionals interviewing child victims or for that matter, child witnesses?
1: Yeah. I mean, one, you could potentially be re-traumatizing a child. Mm -hmm. And there have been cases where children are more traumatized by the the process, interviewing over and over again than they are of the actual event. The other thing is when you have multiple people interviewing people over and over again we set ourselves up for failure because then we get inconsistent statements right, right. it's not because we're lying but no no human being can tell a story over and over again and it be the exact same way right. so which that is, is why, why it's defense attor-
0: that, which is why defense attorneys i'll be candid I love love having as many bites at the apple of a witness or a cop as I can have because you are absolutely correct. The more times they're up there, the more times inconsistencies can happen. And I agree with you. It may not mean that they're lying. Sometimes it might. It may not mean that they're lying, but to the third-party jury...
1: You get to point that out. Right, right. if If this really happened, why wouldn't you say it exactly the same? Right.
0: So we have about a minute and a half left with Morgan, but look, Facebook Live. If you want to stick around a little bit, we'll keep talking to Morgan. Sure. Um, so Morgan, again, we're talking to Morgan LeMondre over at Star. Richard, mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like this whole guest thing is a good idea for us. It's a great idea. I mean, normally we just have now. Now to be clear, Morgan is not participating in our special guest, which is this week is again uh, our friend uh, Jefferson that, Davis. That's, that's Jefferson uh-huh. Bourbon. Bourbon, yes, yes, Morgan is not drinking so that we are very clear she is a very responsible young lady and attorney full disclaimer rich is knocking off after this so it's okay that he's having the bourbon I, nobody's judging you. You just moved. Richard just moved. Houses, Ambo, by the did way, last last week, and I'm still feeling. Jared Ambo, shame. shout out again to Jared Am- Ambo, Ambo, who, shamed who judged us, us and shamed us last week. So listen, that is about it for this episode of Legally Unfiltered. Morgan, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for um, Morgan is. Let me tell you guys, Morgan is an excellent resource if you know someone or if you are in fact a victim of these kind of things that we're talking about, I got to tell you, you know, what she's doing over at Star and what Star does is fantastic. For more information about Legally Unfiltered, you can go to www.legallyunfiltered.com or you can email us at legallyunfiltered at gmail.com. And Morgan, if I get any questions that are for you, I will certainly send them your way. Have a great day, guys, and tune in next time. The views and opinions expressed in Legally Unfiltered do not constitute legal advice. If you would like legal advice on the topics that we've discussed, send us money. That's right. Go ahead and retain us. Do not, kids, try this at home.